John chapter 8. Starting at verse 39. John chapter 8, 39 to 59. So it's partway through a conversation. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you are Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and now am here. I've not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honour my father and you dishonour me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. I tell you the truth. If a man keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets, yet you say that if a man keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? And he died. And so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory remains. If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. May God give us understanding.
you said, let there be light. And we came into existence. And so, Lord, now we ask that as we look at your word, you would speak, that your Holy Spirit would come and minister to us words of truth, words that point our hearts and our minds and our whole lives to you. Lord, that we would hear, we would listen fully, and we would be changed for your glory. Father, please help me to stand aside and you to stand in the center of our lives in Jesus. Amen. Well, we're here. The final I am saying in the series, it's, I think, been going for about six months. I think it started in November and you've been very patient as we've gone through them all. And here we are at the final one. And this one is different, isn't it, to the others? This one is qualitatively different. It's not so much about the Lord explaining that he is the I am, like the good shepherd or like the bread of life. It is the Lord explaining that he is the I am. We have a world that is terribly confused about who Jesus is is some say he's a great politician others say well he's just a magician he's a peacemaker and he said good things other people have even said that he's an insurrectionist but he says that he is god he says that only he is god and so this i am is different now, we need to understand the context. We've been jumping around in John through all of these I am sayings. So it might be helpful for you to know that the Lord's in the temple. He's teaching and preaching. There's been a whole load of signs and wonders prior to this, and there are more to come. And there's a, an argument developing about who he is. Some people are saying, well, he's the prophet. With a capital P referring to Moses' proclamation that the prophet will come. Some people say he's the Christ promised throughout scripture. And some people say, well, he can't be either of those things because he came from Nazareth. And don't you know that the scripture says that the Christ will come from Bethlehem in the line of David? And they're exactly right, aren't they? <laughs> It's just they haven't done their homework and realized that that's where the Lord came from, the line of David and the town of Bethlehem. The Pharisees get a bit fed up with this teaching and they send the guards to arrest Jesus. And they go back empty handed and the Pharisees say, what are you doing? We told you to go arrest Jesus. And they said, well, we've never heard anyone speak or teach like this before. And so there is this argument between the Pharisees or the Jews, John calls the Jews, the religious leaders, about who their father is. The Lord is saying, your father is actually the devil, Satan, because you don't believe me. And I'm God and I have seen God and I speak what I've seen. You only speak, he says, what you have heard. 
The father is the devil. My father is God. And they say to, to him, well, you're the devil. You have a demon. And they say you're an illegitimate child. And then they start to go through this picture that Jews do in this period so often. They go through their ancestry. You see that we saw that in the bread of life. They go back to Moses and say, well, Moses is, is the one that we follow. And here they go back to Abraham, Father Abraham, as he's referred to. They don't go back to God. And so the Lord comes into that place and says that he is greater than Abraham. So let's look at the text together. Quite a bit to get through. I hope that we can get there before 12 at least. Let's look at this text together. Verse 54, and we'll just go through this slightly, and then I've got a couple of questions with subpoints that I hope will encourage you. Verse 54, again, Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It's my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you actually have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. They picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Before Abraham was, I am. The Lord says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Abraham lived 2,000 years before Jesus. How could Jesus say that? I mean, that's what they say. You're not yet 50 years old, and yet you've seen Abraham. What did the Lord mean when he said, Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day and has seen it? Well, Abraham is the man that is the, as it were, first Israelite. He's the, the, the man that God calls out of the pagan world and makes his promise, makes his covenant, and says, I will make you a great nation. In fact, you will be the father of many nations. So Abraham has the joy of the covenant. Abraham has the joy, even when he's asked to go and sacrifice his own son, of saying to his son, don't worry, son, God will provide the sacrifice. Jesus is seen Abraham in that statement it's a vision isn't it not a, not a literal vision but it's a it's a promised vision I know God will save you're not yet 50 years old and yet you've seen Abraham it's a fair question or a fair statement if Jesus is a man just a man but we know he isn't and so his answer Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, 
I am. And there it is, the statement of Godness, the I am saying, as we've looked at seven times already, literally means I'm God. Only God says that. That's blasphemy to others, in which case, in this particular instance, they go to stone him. Literally, before Abraham existed, I existed. I always existed. So don't suggest to me that Abraham is your authority. I am God. In the Old Testament, the phrase for I am is literally Yahweh. It is literally God. God says he is God by saying, I am why? Why should that be a statement of godness? Why should God be saying that he is God through simply saying I am? We use this phrase all the time. Present tense, present continuous tense of the verb to be. I am. I exist. Well, simply because it's a statement of absolute being. Don't take this the wrong way, as much as I love you all, and I know you love me, we are not absolute being. We are finite being. We know and taste being because God has given us life. When God says, I am, he's saying, I'm absolute being. I'm here. I've always been here. There's nothing that has been here before me. Therefore, everything that's been created has proceeded from me. It can't have come from anywhere else. The creation didn't precede God. It's a statement of absolute being. When Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, he is asserting his deity. He's saying, I'm divine. He is asserting that he is infinite. He's asserting his eternality, his alwaysness. He's asserting his absolute being. He's asserting his power and authority. It's like he's saying, you appeal to Abraham as your source of authority, but guess what? Abraham reports to me. I created Abraham. I'm above Abraham. I'm above everyone. And everything before Abraham was, I am. A quick side note here. There are many people that argue that Jesus never says that he's God in the Bible. And it's simply not true. But people argue that they clearly never read the Bible. One thing I'd encourage you to do with people that say that is simply to read what other people in the Bible say about Jesus. Not just the ones that love him, the ones that hate him because they charge him again and again and again. In fact, he's crucified for this from the human perspective with blasphemy. What is blasphemy? In this context, it's saying that he's God. They wanted to kill him. It's a good way of looking at it. If, they, if Jesus hadn't said that he was God, they wouldn't want to kill him. So we've got two questions. And one with a, a number of points as a way of sneaking in some other points. And then we'll come to a conclusion. First thing I want to say before we get to the questions is the Trinity is really complex, right? Does anyone here fully understand the Trinity? No. 
It's massive. It is one being, God, with three persons. You are one being with one person. So I hope you understand it a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> one being, three persons. It's very easy as Christians to compartmentalize that. Father up here in spirit form, the son down here in man form, in human form, and the Holy Spirit almost as some kind of nebulous ether working around people, resting on people, living in people. That's God. Those three people, those three persons are God. They're absolutely inseparable except for the cross. It's another big story, another big sermon. Don't compartmentalize them too much because if you do, you will pull Christ Jesus, the man, away from his godness, away from his I amness. Please hold those things together. All right, so our first question is quite simple. Does it really matter whether Jesus is God or not? That's what people say to me that don't know Christ. Does it really make any difference whether he's God or not? Well, yes, it does. It matters, in a sense, most that Jesus is God. Yes, we know that he had to be fully man. We learned last week about the temptations of Christ in the wilderness. And he was tempted as a man. He didn't succumb to those temptations. We know that Hebrews tells us that he had to partake of flesh and blood because he had to be born under the law, under the weight of the law, sinless though he was so that he could be judged by the law, so that he could die for the sins of the world. So he likewise partook of the same things that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, the devil. We understand that he had to be a man to be born. But he also has to be God as Jesus. He has to be fully God in every way simply because if Jesus is not God, the cross is futile. It is empty, it's vacuous, it's pointless. It achieves nothing at all. We're still dead in our sins. If Jesus is not God, then he has no power to fulfill the law. He has no power to satisfy God the Father in accordance with the law against the sin of the world because he's just a man. You might say, well, he's a sinless man. Can a sinless man pay for the sin of the whole world? It's only a God that can do that. It's important that he's God because he has to be infinitely valuable he has to be the gift that is a big enough price to pay the debt. That's what God is, infinitely valuable. Do you see Jesus as infinitely valuable or just a man? He had to be completely sinless. And only God could be born completely sinless, right? We're all born of Adam. We're all born in sin. We inherit the sin that Adam committed in the first, how does the song go? Because the sinless Savior died, 
my sinful soul is counted free. For God, the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. If Christ was a sinless, none of it would work. How can you have a sinless savior without him being a God? Three simple points for us in this question. Because Jesus is God, there is satisfaction of God's wrath. Because he's God, there is satisfaction of God's wrath. Can you fully satisfy the infinite wrath of God? Can you imagine the infinite wrath of God? No. To bear the weight of the wrath of the Father, it is essential for Jesus to be divine. To satisfy that much wrath, the thing being sacrificed must be of such value to God that it fully pays for the judgment. To pay a big debt, you need a big gift. Simple as that. Jesus is that gift, but only as God. The gift is, is not good enough. It's not infinitely valuable enough if it's just a man. No man could do that. Point number two, because Jesus is God, there is peace and eternal life. Because he's God, he's able to earn for us eternal life and favor with God. Again, if he wasn't God, the payment wouldn't be made and there would still be wrath. There would be no peace with God the Father. And because he is God and pays that, he earns us peace. He gives us peace. Reconciliation is the other word for it, with the Father. No man could do that. My third point is because Jesus is God, there can be a resurrection. We looked at that last time. Who raised himself from the dead? Well, it was the one who died. God, don't compartmentalize. Jesus is God. Sometimes the Bible talks about the Father raising him from the dead. The Lord also talks about himself raising himself from the dead. Because he's God. Because they're the same being. If he's not God, well, how can he raise himself from the dead? He's just a man. He wouldn't be able to say, I am the resurrection and the life, because there would be no resurrection and no life for us. He is the first born from the dead. We would have no hope. The Bible says there's simply one man, one mediator between man and God, the man Jesus Christ, who is God. There is one redeemer that saves man. Only God can do that. You're treating Jesus like God. It's easy to just kind of go along with the verbiage, the words of being a Christian in church. It's almost a place to hide, but are we actually taking hold of these truths and say actually i do believe jesus is god not a god god the god one redeemer listen to this titus chapter 2 verse 11 says for the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation for all people it's jesus training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions 
and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory, listen, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. What a precious verse. It says very clearly, <laughs> Jesus redeems us and Jesus is God because only God can redeem. Which takes us to our second and final question. Again, please don't compartmentalize God. They are three per he is three persons, but he's one being. The question is, are you worshiping Jesus as God? Is that how your life is? We have different ways of praying, don't we? Some of us say our Father, some of us say dear Jesus, some say Lord Jesus, some say Holy Spirit. It's okay. Lord says, Lord Jesus says, say our Father. As we've heard already, Jesus is interceding for us. He's praying for us. He's the mediator. But are you worshipping Jesus as God? Are you worshipping Jesus at all? Well, firstly, consider then that he is creator. In fact, consider it this way. He is the supreme creator. He is the supreme one. Preeminent. John 1, we all know it. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And then he makes it really clear. And the word was God. You jump to verse 14, he will say, and the word became flesh. And dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory. But let's go back to the beginning. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things that were made were made through him. Nothing, he says, that's been made has been made without him. What is he saying about Jesus? He's the creator. When God said, let there be light in the beginning, or is Jesus speaking? That might be profound for you. Don't compartmentalize God. It's the Christ speaking. He's the word, he's the communicative act of God. Speak and things happen when you're God. And here he is walking and talking. Colossians 1.15, I just love this passage. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. That doesn't mean that he is created listen to this the next verse says for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created listen through him and guess what for him god created the world for him Jesus spoke and the cosmos came into existence for him, for his glory. That's why as safe people, we should be living for his glory. That's why we should be obedient. That's why we should be repenting, living a holy life, praising him, wanting to declare his name, wanting to make him known, 
living in the way that we proclaim that Jesus is God. Then he says, and he is before all things. What does that mean? He was before all things. Things didn't exist until Jesus spoke them into existence. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn, firstborn from the dead. There's a resurrection. That in everything he might be preeminent, supreme. The whole idea of all of this is that God is the one we need to worship. Jesus is the one we need to worship. He's preeminent. He's supreme. He's sovereign. Why are we worshiping anything else? We are. We have our idols. We have our weaknesses. We've been given Jesus. We're trading him for things that aren't significant, really. And then Paul says this. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. You know what Paul's saying? He's God. He's the I am. There isn't a little piece of Godness in, in Jesus. He is God. All the fullness. It's, it's like he's running out of superlatives in a way. All of the fullness, right? Put those two together. Absolute God. I am. And through this Jesus, he reconciled to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. And how did he do that? By making peace by the blood of his cross. Not possible to do unless you are God. Are you worshipping God as creator? Are you worshipping God as supreme? My comment to that would simply be, read Hebrews Read Hebrews. It's probably a couple of years ago now we finished studying Romans in our Bible study and I said to the group, what do you want to study next? And a certain lady who remained nameless said, Hebrews. <laughs> I was like, that's great. But man, that's a complex book. <laughs> it's a big book. It's full of warnings, isn't it? You should read it. It's challenging. It's full of encouragement to persevere. You know what else it's full of? Supremacy of Christ. There's some religious groups out there that call themselves Christians, believe that Jesus is an angel, not God. How do we make sense of the cross? How do we make sense of redemption or any of this stuff if Jesus is just an angel? You know what Hebrews says? He's not an angel. He's a son of God. He says this in terms of Jesus' supremacy. He says, at the right of the beginning, he makes it very clear. Long ago, many times, in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets. Guess what? That's through Jesus. But now, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Why? Because Jesus has come as a man. He's fully God. He's fully man. And he's spoken. Whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through whom, guess what? Also, he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Can't get sort of more poetic language to describe how Jesus, his source, is Godness. The things that radiate from the sun are from the sun, the sun, S-U-N. 
Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Amazing. <laughs> Jesus decides to end it with a word. It's gone. He spoke and it came into existence. You think he can't spoke and extinguish it. One day he'll create a new heaven and old earth because the old earth and the old heaven will be done away with. How's he going to do that? He'll speak and it will happen. Creation will obey. Even the rocks will cry out. <laughs> After making purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God. He's better than Moses. Better than Abraham. He's a better high priest. He's a better king. He is supreme. I encourage you to read Hebrews. He's not an angel. He's not just a man. I think one of the greatest passages in all scripture that explains to us where Jesus sits in the hierarchy is Philippians chapter 2. Apostle Paul starts by saying to us, listen carefully, this is amazing, have this mind in you, which is yours. You can have it, referring to, to the humility of Christ. Have this mind in you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form, Greek word morphe, same substance of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. See something of the Trinity there? Didn't want to hang on to his godness because he's humble. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, which is the curse of God. Now, if it ended there, you say, wow, God became a man and he died for me on the cross. It's amazing. Do you know what it says next? It says, therefore, because of what we've just said about Jesus, he's God, he humbled himself, found in appearance as a man, walked obediently and righteously to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, because of all those things, God has highly exalted him, listen, and bestowed on him the name that is Below Abraham, <laughs> the name that is above all names. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. And Paul Washer my favorite preacher saying one time when it says every knee shall bow it means every knee shall bow and you will either come to god bowing the knee at jesus because you love him and in fear and reverence and in awe you will look and say my god i love you jesus but you will bow because your knees will be broken you will be made to bow before the son of god it's all so that Jesus gets the glory. That's what it's all about. This creation is all for him. Are you excited about coming to bow? You're going to come and bow before Christ. 
You're going to come and bow. You're not going to walk into heaven and say, well, where's my place? You say, wow, look at the king. He loves me. He said, I'm his brother. <laughs> You're just going to get on your knees. Does that not make the cross even more amazing? When you see and get this idea that God is truth, that Jesus is God. Look at the cross and say, how can that be? Why would you do that for me, God? The answer is, well, because I love you. You're crazy. You're crazy, God. Why would you do that? I'm crazy about you. You're my creation. I made you to love me, and you are a sinner. And I'm not, and I'm God. And so I'm going to pay for the sin. I'm going to bear the weight of the wrath of God. It's heavy, isn't it? There's a heaviness to the gospel. But not if he's in God. It's fairly pointless. Well, it is pointless. I think it's more scary when we look at the cross that way. Worship Jesus as God. Worship Jesus as creator. Jesus was the creator. Jesus was the covenant maker with Abraham very man that they're appealing to as a source of authority. Jesus is in the burning bush. Jesus is the redeemer from Israel out of Egypt. Listen to this, Jude 5. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. Who saved the people out of the land of Egypt? Jesus, Christ, God. Jesus is the lawgiver in Sinai. Jesus is in the pillar of fire and smoke. He's the rock. First Corinthians 10 says this, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers, referring to the people in the past, were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate, all ate the spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock, says Paul, is Christ Jesus. The wilderness. It was Jesus who was the Lord. Just before, not Joseph, sorry, Joshua, just before he went in to Jericho. It was Jesus in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, the, there was a fourth man there? It was Jesus who was directing the prophets. It was Jesus that the law and the prophets bear witness to. Read Romans 3. It is Jesus who is the better Melchizedek, the better Moses, the better David, the great high priest. As we've heard, because of that priest... Our sins are forgiven forever. It is Jesus who came and called disciples and apostles, and it is Jesus who called you here today. You might say, well, I just go to this church, or I just visited this church. It's Jesus that called you here today. It's Jesus that called you into his kingdom. It's Jesus that made you a Christian. I love you guys. I know you've got great wills, but it wasn't you. You responded to the grace. It's Jesus who called you. Friends, worship Jesus as God. 
lastly, it is Jesus that will lead the charge at the second coming. Before Abraham was, I am. When the Lord returns, and we see the joy on Abraham's face, let alone Jesus's, he will be saying, I, the, I am. Listen to this, Revelation 1. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. What does that sound like? Sounds like the I am, doesn't it? Who is, was, and is to come. Always is. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins. How? By his blood and made us a kingdom. Priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever. Listen. Behold. He's coming with the clouds and every eye will see. Does that sound familiar? Every tongue will confess. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, he will say, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. Listen, the almighty. Who's saying that? It's Jesus. He's coming and he's going to say, it's me. I am. I am God. I was there in the beginning. I was there before the beginning. I'm going to be there in the end because I'm God. You cannot extinguish me. Before Abraham was, I am Listen, folks, if you believe in Jesus, if you're here today and you believe in Jesus, your God, the man, the real man, second Adam, and I just want you to know he's your life. He's your way. He's your good shepherd. He's your door. He's your truth, the truth gives you the truth he's your bread he's your vine he's your resurrection and life because he is your god the great i am oh, i need jesus in my lives before abraham was i am let's pray Father in heaven, Lord Jesus in heaven, Holy Spirit, help us, Lord, please, to understand how amazing you are. Help us to see Jesus as God. Help us to live in a way that honors him as God. Help us to see, Lord, that you are the creator. You are supreme. You made us to worship you, Lord. Would you do this work in us, Lord, that we would be prepared to proclaim to declare, to pronounce these things to a world that has no idea about you. Lord, as you tarry, would you give us that energy to share the gospel? And would you help us, Lord, to look for the day when the great I am will come in the clouds saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Lord, change us in Jesus.